Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm joined here today in the studio by Dave Ackman. Uh, tonight, coming off a disappointing game for the Revs. They really came out slow, and they never really were able to pick it up. Uh, several substitutions by Steve Nichol didn't really change the game. And a very surprising 3 nothing loss to a D.C. side that was missing a lot of key players. Fred was out suspended. Jaime Moreno wasn't 100%. came in as a short, for a short time as a substitute. Christian Gomez, who's really you know, the MVP of that team, uh, didn't play at all, stuck on the bench. Uh, very surprising to see the Revs, who had their first choice lineup available, uh, not come away with a win. Uh, the first goal there, Matt Reese... Uh, you don't know what he was thinking. He had the chance to hold on to that ball. He wasn't able to hold. You know, he, he didn't come quick enough for it. Un- uncharacteristic for Matt Reese, who seems to be usually be very aware, and I, I don't think can really be blamed for a single goal this entire season, maybe up until that point. Yeah, I mean, it was a kind of a fluky goal. It seemed like he was uh, kind of a little lackadaisical on it, and after the goal had gone in, he seemed kind of upset. Uh, maybe at himself, maybe at the ref. He said that he had his hand on the ball. It looked like he was maybe a, a half a second too late to fully cover it up. So, I mean, that's one of those goals you really hate to see, especially early in a game. And the second goal scored by uh, Luciano Amelio. Uh, James Riley got the start uh, over Avery John, who a lot of people were saying was the man of the match performer. Uh, in the match against Kansas City that we'll get to later, where the Revs won 2-1. to one. I mean, 2 to nothing. a very good performance from Avery John there. Uh, he was benched for this game to start. Uh, James Riley kind of lost his mark there when Amelio... Uh, beat his man and scored that goal that really Reese didn't have much of a chance on. Yeah, definitely. He uh, he really beat Riley right off the line, off that uh, the pass. Uh, right, I don't even think Riley ever turned around by the time the ball was in the back of the net. Uh, it was a really good run by Emilio. He timed it perfectly, and he you know he made sure that he put it in. But it, you know, defensive breakdowns like that really cost you. It's also a very good pass through, through ball from Capenni there to get Spring Emilio free of the defense. But uh, Riley before that had also been beaten uh, by Emilio um, on a free header that Emilio had. Uh, that Matt Reese came up very big with a huge save on, and uh, he was beaten later on that goal uh, late in the second half where uh, the Revs were, were trying to push forward, come back. I believe they only had, uh, I believe that's when they had already gone to the 3-4-3 formation, bringing on Chrisman at halftime, and then later bringing on Wells Thompson. Uh, at, at that point, uh, the game was pretty much over the way it was going. The Revs weren't creating many chances, but again, Riley was arguing with the ref there about uh, what looked like a handball, and probably should have been called as a handball, what Amelia used to bring it down before it was fouled. And Riley was arguing with the ref. Amelia got free of the defense and scored the uh, third and final goal of the game. So not a great performance from Riley. Riley's putting some good performances for the team from the past. This is one he's going to want to forget. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one a lot of the people would want to forget. It seemed like they were really frustrated after the first goal, and it sort of kept building up. And then you see, you know, Riley loses his cool at the end, starts arguing, lets his guy get a free run in on goal. Uh, you know, you have people, you know, making retaliatory fouls, like Noon chasing a guy down, hacking him down. You know, you see a couple late tackles from, like, Avery John and a couple other guys. So, I mean, it seemed like they started losing their cool after the uh, the second goal. And we haven't really 
talked about the ref too much in this game yet. Uh, he certainly can't be blamed for the loss. The refs, you know, owe that one on themselves. But there were some very questionable calls by referee Alex Pruss in that game. Uh, first of all, um, maybe not first in the match, but uh, Connell Smith making that nice run off the right, left side of the field. Uh, the defender managed to shield him off the ball. Troy Perkins comes out, uh, doesn't even go for the ball. Slide tackles Connell Smith, who does not have the ball at this point in time. Uh, Connell Smith goes down in the box. The ref waves play on. I think that was a very, very clear foul. Uh, certainly a debatable red card for a play like that. And it should have been a penalty kick. That might have changed the game right there. I believe that was when the game was still 2-0. to, no- two to nothing. Uh, Rez could have pulled one back. Who knows what would have happened from that. Yeah, definitely, and especially if they had lost, you know, their starting keeper at that point, you know, everything changes. Uh, it seemed from where we were sitting that, it, you know, it, he, that he got no chance to get to the ball. He just sort of made sure that there was no way that Connor was going to get to it, and he didn't. He was down. He was injured, too, it seemed like, for a while, so. He wasn't going to get to the ball, Connor, from that position, either. It was a completely unnecessary tackle from Troy Perkins. Uh, ridiculous that the ref, who wasn't too far away from the play, uh, didn't manage to call that. And there was another elbow uh, I, I believe, I want to say it was to Connell Smith, or was it too? It was on Jay Heaps, I believe. There were those Jay Heaps one too, and then yeah. there was another one later where he gave a yellow card. Yeah. Uh, if, it, if it was an elbow, if it was an intentional elbow, well, like it seems like he's signaling by giving a yellow card, how is that not a red card for a play like that? And the, and if you're looking for justice, uh, a yellow card may be bad, maybe even worse, because they can't go back and review a play where, in which the ref is given a yellow card and give more suspension, which you've certainly seen in the past happen to guys like Shaw or Joseph. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if that's what he is going to make the call, which is, as you said, it seems like it was. I mean, it was a pretty clear elbow. And, I mean, he goes over, he makes the call, so it's obvious that he realizes that it was an elbow. So, I mean, you've got to wonder why that's not a red at that point. I think the biggest problem, too, was the consistency, where there were some fouls that were going against the revs and then happening the other way and weren't, weren't going. I mean, both ways there were some certainly questionable calls, but... Uh, wasn't great. Wasn't a great performance by Alex Press either. No, and I, don't, I think you could put that on a bunch of different people. I think you could put that probably even on the linesmen too. I mean, it seemed like both teams are, you know, getting pretty frustrated at the lack of calls or the timing of the calls. I mean, it seemed like a couple of times that they pulled it back on, you know, some weird times, and other times that they just let play on when it was pretty obvious that it wasn't play on. So. You know, it's a tough game for both teams when you don't know what's going to be a foul. I mean, Ben Nolson was even questioning when a foul was going to get called. So, I mean, when you see both teams at a loss for what a foul is, you know, it's, it's hard to blame any of the players at that point. And when you look at the game before the game, this was a great opportunity for the Revs to, you know, put some further space. They did a good job on on uh, Thursday against Kansas City. We were catching up to the team right behind them and made a four-point gap. A win today really would have would have given them some separation from the pack. Now D.C., which is a team that has a couple games in hand, uh, has some good has a good opportunity to maybe catch up to the Revs. Uh, Real Salt Lake actually beat the Houston Dynamo last night in a very surprise victory that made that made the Revs have an opportunity to move into first place. Uh, I talked about Real Salt Lake against the Revs a couple weeks ago uh, as a team that that played pretty well against the Revs, a lot better than they had earlier in the season, uh, despite losing. And they're a team that I said could be a spoiler. It looks like they already did pull something off there, helping with Houston. You know, that, that's something that may, maybe they'll continue down the line. Uh, that gave the Revs a great opportunity to go on and get a victory here and move further ahead. Uh, but the Revs, who have never lost by more than a goal this entire season at home uh, with a 3 nothing loss, this is actually only their second loss at home, too. So uh, a little surprising. It was a great opportunity for the Revs to move ahead. Uh, but at the end of the week, the Revs are still in a good position, first overall, still with the four-point gap from second place. Uh, so while they can be disappointed, they should also be happy 
uh, or at least should the fans should be happy with their current positioning in the standings. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's always a tough week when you have two games, you know, against two tough Eastern Conference teams. I mean, KC comes in on Thursday, and then you have to come right back on Sunday. You know, two pretty big-time opponents in the uh, tough Eastern Conference this year. You know, come out of there with three points. Maybe it's not ideal. Maybe you want four, maybe six. But, I mean, if you can get away with three, you know, I mean, it's it's tough to argue, especially when you come out and lay a complete stinker in one of the games. But I think on the flip side... Uh, the thing the Rebs might be most disappointed about is that Michael Parker is going down injured in this match with a right knee injury. We don't know the extent of that injury yet, but certainly he's a very important player to this team. Uh, the Rebs without them, their, their defense really changes a lot, missing a player like him who is not just great positionally, but also great dis- distributing the ball out of the back. Uh, it should be interesting to see what happens with him, but uh, that could end up being the biggest loss in this game, not the score. Uh, but losing a defender of Michael Parker, who's so key to this team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it means you have to start sliding Riley back into the middle, and you have to bring Avery into the game, and that really thins out your bench if you do have, you know, some reason to bring on another defender later in the game. And it just seems like, you know, Riley and uh, Parker have a real good uh, working rate together, and it doesn't seem like maybe it's going to take a little time for them to get used to having John and Riley back there. So, I mean, it always changes things when you have to make a big change to a three-man back line. And it was, it was interesting to see that Nickel did choose to start James Riley again and Avery John. Uh, it hadn't been that James Riley had been performing poorly before uh, Thursday's game where Avery John got the start. Uh, maybe it was just rotation because certainly Avery John performed you know, well enough to, to warrant uh, being played again in this match. He did come off the bench early, but uh, Avery John played well on Thursday. Certainly, if it was not a rotation choice that he, man- that he decided to change that up, uh, could be wondering why he wasn't playing st- from the start in this match. Yeah, I mean, he's got really got on the fans' good side. I mean, the last two games he's been having his name chanted. I mean, that's a pretty big deal for any defender. It's hard to get your name chanted as a defender. So, I mean, he's got to have a lot of confidence coming off these last two performances, even though, you know, this one was a loss. I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. But, again, you did see a little bit of why uh, Avery John sometimes is uh, not starting. He, he did get a yellow card in this match that was, you know, for a pretty bad tackle that uh, we sometimes see from him. Uh, which is really the one downside of his game. Other than, you know, if he if he eliminates that from his game, I don't think Steve Nichols has any problem starting him constantly. But, you know, that's the one thing that's unfortunate that, you know, maybe he does have a little bit of a temper there where you know, he makes some bad tackles they shouldn't be making. Well, I think that's the give and take with him. I mean, he's a very aggressive defender, and, I mean, sometimes those slide tackles end up making, you know, he makes an inch perfect. Other times he's, you know, a half a second behind, and it ends up seeming like a seemingly malicious foul. But, I mean, I think a lot of the times it's just him doing what he wants to do, and he's maybe just a step behind or you know, half a second late to the ball, and it ends up being a yellow card rather than a great tackle. But it's also one thing when it's coming close to the box and he's trying to you know, save a goal. Uh, this tackle today was more near midfield and uh, pretty unnecessary. Yeah, definitely, and that's what I mean. He's, like, he's always just aggressive, and that's, that's the way he plays, and some, you know, it's his blessing and it's curse, it seems. Going back to the positive, on Thursday, the Rebs did come away with the 2 nothing victory over the Kansas City Wizards. Uh, Pat Noonan scored a goal in the 55th minute, his third goal in three games. Uh, that streak ended tonight, obviously, with the Rebs getting shut out. Adam Chrisman came late off the bench. He hadn't been playing too much lately. Uh, he did play 45 minutes today. Uh, he came off the bench late and scored a great goal off of Steve Rawson. Nice setup there with the Rebs on the counterattack. Uh, to really finish off Kansas City, Kansas City is a team that came in and scored four goals against the Rebs earlier in the season in a 4-3 to victory. That I know the Rebs were very disappointed about that, and that certainly added to their motivation in this game. Uh, the Rebs actually had not beaten Kansas City at home since 1999, and that's a very surprising streak considering the Rebs have been a very good home team. Uh, but Nickel was very happy with the performance, and we do have his comments. We certainly you know, asked him about that, ending that streak, and he was certainly happy to put that behind him. I felt it was a real good game. I thought it was a real good advert for the league tonight, and obviously we're, we're pleased we, we came out on top, um, and I think we deserve to come out on top. 
three games three games in a row now that Noonan scored. I mean, you talked about yesterday, but I mean the confidence that not only he has, but he must bring to your team right now is immense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you get part in the box, he's he's a handful. You don't know what he's going to do. We've had him what four years, and we're still not sure which way he's going to go. Generally, generally, you know, your players inside out. So he's a handful in the box. Have you put an end to that eight-year streak without a victory against Kansas City at home? Yeah, you know, Ralston brought that up, you know, before we left the dressing room, uh, and it's not something, it's not a record you like having. So, you know, we're glad to put that behind us, and hopefully we'll continue to do well. And that was Steve Nichol on Thursday night's match that the Revs came up with a 2 nothing victory. Uh, Matt Reese got the shutout of that match, made a couple of key saves, but Kansas City was really limited to chances outside the box. They did have some good shots, uh, from outside the box, they do have some people that are capable of scoring from out there, certainly. And Reese did have to come up big. I believe there was one shot from Marinelli that actually deflected off Parkers, was headed to the upper right corner. Matt Reese just got enough on it to tip it off the post. And we do have Matt Reese's comments, who had a you know very good game in that match, and we can play those now. Kind of a good momentum build-up in the stretch you're going into right now. Absolutely. You know, we we played really well. We uh, we limited their chances. We hadn't, I, I guess we hadn't beat them in, in like eight years uh, here at home, which was something that we had talked about before the game. And, um, you know, that, we've been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team this year where we've, we've, we've put in performances like tonight, but we've also put in performances where we've, we've just given the game away and given away points. So, uh, you know, it's important for us in, in this stretch of, of games coming up now to, uh, to get maximum points and, and get some separation with the rest of the teams. Again, that was revolution to goalkeeper Matt Reese who had the shutout in Thursday night's match. Uh, tonight, not as good of a night for him. He three goals. Uh, one of them could be on him. The other two certainly were breakaway chances that he really couldn't have done much on. Uh, but uh, again, on two- Thursday night, the Revs did a very good defensive performance. Uh, veteran defender Jay Heath is actually celebrating his birthday. I believe it was his 31st birthday. Uh, played a key part in that shutout. The Revs defense, who against Kansas City before, it really had a lot of trouble containing guys like Eddie Johnson. Did a great job with that and limited the team. As I mentioned, just really shots outside of the box. And I think that was the key to their victory because when you got guys like Eddie Johnson who thrive on being, getting behind the defense, uh, that's very big. We do have Jay Heap's comments uh, particularly, in particular on that subject of how they managed to limit KC to shots from outside. Last time they came in here, they you know, had it kind of easy getting behind the defense this time and all their opportunities really outside of the box. What was the difference? Um, well, I think that, you know, we were, we were aware. Um, you know, we watched that game tape. I know personally I did um, of them making great runs, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was smarter for us to, to play it wide almost. That game we were too narrow, and they were able to get behind us on the flanks. And in this game, Avery and I pinched ourselves wider, um, so they had to go down the middle. And that was why we were able to kind of clog up where they were going. Nice birthday present today, getting the win. Yeah, absolutely. Noonan scores a goal. We got in a, a shutout. It was uh, it was perfect because it's also Pat's birthday as well. So we'll take it. We'll yeah, take it. How's it feel being out there on the birthday? Good. How are you feeling? feeling young? I feel great. I feel younger than Pat. How's that? <laughs> as we mentioned, it was uh, Jay Heath's birthday. It was also Pat Noonan's birthday. He turned 27. Uh, Pat Noonan scored the goal there. It was his third goal uh, in as many games. Uh, the Revs were talking about Pennington really started the season slow. He was coming off an injury. He's really picked it up lately. Uh, if you talk to Taylor Twelman uh, on Wednesday, and he was really happy to see that Noonan turned around. We do have Twelman's comments on you know, wh- what Noonan's been able to do coming back from injury. You know, I think Pat pretty much said it best. You know, he needed minutes and just a little time to get back. And, uh, you know, he looks like he's, uh, he's back where we want him. Were you worried about him in the sense that, I mean, he took a while to get back to that uh, level? I was more so as just being a friend of his, you know. I mean, more, more so than being his teammate. I wanted him just to 
get back and uh, being able to do what he does because obviously when he does that, it helps me. Did you think he might not make it back? I mean, sometimes no, I knew he was. It's like just it's, it's a matter of time. You just got to yeah. fight through it. And uh, anyone that's had to deal with injuries, you just got to fight through the initial stage of coming back, being a little frustrated. And, you know, eventually it comes through. And, you know, good players will shine, and Pat's doing that. Is this a good time for the season in the season to have such a busy schedule for you, Taylor? Kind of oh, now it's 98 now. degrees out. No. no? Okay, so it's a temperature <laughs> reason more than... No, I don't. Like I mean, it, chemistry and you know, you kind of obviously, you, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on what's going on. Obviously, you know, we're playing well, so we're going to say yes. You know, obviously, if we were in a rut right now, it, yeah. it's good as well because then you can play yourself out. So it's a matter of that. You know, obviously, it's a little hot out. So in August, you kind of wish it wasn't two games, you know, a week, but so be it. And that was Taylor Twelman uh, on the busy stretch that they have now. In addition to Pat Noon who's really picked things up lately for, after coming off the injury. Uh, we also talked to Steve Nickel on uh, that same practice. Nickel uh, talked about the contract raise that they gave Noonan at the start of the season, despite him missing most of the previous season injured. Uh, and he was very happy with how uh, Noonan's been able to turn things around and his confidence is way up and you know all the goals he's been scoring. We do have Nickel's comments now on uh, Pat Noonan's rise back to form. You know, last season he, had, he was in and out and in and out, and probably out more than he was in. It takes a while to, to get back to to, to, to your peak when you've missed I mean the last 18 months he's probably missed 12 months so that's a long time but I think you're, you're seeing the best of him now I mean he's a guy who who's always scored his fair share but has always you know assisted as well and he's, he's doing both now so you showed a lot of faith in him in the sense that uh, with all those injuries uh, nobody knew if he was going to come back at full speed uh, did you really uh, absolutely know? that's exactly what we did you know, the contract and all that sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. No, we did exactly. We, we showed faith in him, you know, and he deserved it. He's, since he's come here, he's done a lot for us. He's done a lot for this team, I should say. We don't give anybody anything unless they earn it here. And he earned uh, the patience that we showed. And now everybody's getting the benefit. He's, especially him, he's getting the benefit. But the team's getting even more benefit, so. And he's also got Adam. Him and Taylor have got Adam Christman breathing down the neck. Mm-hmm. So it's a good situation for us. Again, that was our Revolution head coach Steve Nickel on uh, Pat Noonan's uh, comeback to form and also commented on how Adam Chrisman has uh, certainly been providing them competition, something that really the Revs, you know, up top haven't had much of lately. Uh, Chrisman, with his perf- good performances, has you know, certainly provided a legitimate option off the bench uh, and someone that could threaten Pat Noonan's first starting spot. Yeah, definitely. I think even you see him come in today, he just drags that one right by the post today at the end of the game. He seems to, you know, have some good, vibrant legs at the end, makes a couple nice runs, and, you know, seems to have a decent enough scoring touch. So, I mean, you bring a guy like that in off the bench, it's always dangerous. Flew well, unlucky today, too, to have slipped a couple of times when he had a you know, couple of chances to maybe cut back and get something into the box. But uh, the turf, the, the Revs have done well on. They've also had some performances where they haven't done so well on. So, uh it really kind of varies from game to game with the way the ball is bouncing, it even seems. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, give them a couple more seasons on this turf, and they'll, you know, they'll finally make it a home field advantage. It's tough. You know, you go from a all-grass turf to uh, all of a sudden have, you know, this field turf, and it's a big change. But back to Pat Noonan. Noonan, uh, as we mentioned, on the three-game uh, goal-scoring streak up until tonight, has also provided several assists. All of them do. Uh, I believe Taylor Twelman this season has assists. And Taylor Twelman actually provided all three assists to Noonan on Noonan's three-game goal-scoring streak. So uh, Noonan and Twelman really play well together. Uh, but we do have comments from Noonan on, on how he's been able to work back and how hard it was to work back from being out so long with an injury. Just getting minutes, uh, you know, getting getting my legs back, and I feel good out there and confident. And 
it's just bouncing the right, right way right now. You know, hopefully it stays that way. But uh, goals come and go. So right now they're they're coming. But you know, it'd be nice to keep that going. Do you feel that confidence that you feel kind of seeping through the rest of the rest of the club right now? I think so because we're getting you know results. You know, Salt Lake, and now you know this week. Uh, we're a couple points up at the top, and uh, we expect to be there, and, and we expect to win games. So it's not a surprise, but at the same time, when you you know you're winning these games and not giving up the late goals, which we haven't you know past weeks, it's uh, you know it's a confidence builder. Kind of momentum builder going into this tough stretch of, of close games. Definitely, it was a good good way to start it with uh, you know DC, and then uh, you know Kansas City. Uh, obviously, we have the Open Cup game as well. Uh, but uh, in terms of MLS, to, to get this win, you know, and this stretch coming up was big, especially against a lot of Eastern Conference opponents. Again, that was uh, Revolution Forward, Pat Newton, and his comments on uh, recovering from that injury. Uh, again, last, last tonight, uh, the Reds with the disappointing 3-0 loss, but they did have the 2-0 win on Thursday. So uh, some positives, some negatives to take out of this week. Uh, going forward, they have the game on Wednesday, which we'll get a little bit more into when we have Josh Hackler on the phone. Uh, against the Harrisburg City Islanders, a team that beat D.C. United actually to eliminate them from the Open Cup. D.C. playing with you know, pretty much a reserve team in that match. They did have some starters mixed in. Uh, we should hope the Revs play a stronger lineup than D.C. did uh, because this is a great chance for the Revs to win a trophy. Um, then on Sunday, they face uh, Los Angeles Galaxy. Whether or not Beckham will play, who knows? Beckham uh, in Toronto tonight uh, said he probably won't be playing. Uh, we can give you some more updates on that game as we get later on the show when that game uh, goes on. Uh, but... Third, sold out match, 32,000 seats, as many as the Reds are playing to sell the lower bowl. Uh, should be a great crowd. Uh, can't buy tickets. The only way to get tickets now is on their Revolutions eBay auctions. If you want uh, your kid to go walk out with one of the players, uh, I start at $250. I believe those actually end tomorrow morning. So uh, the great, great cause, they go to charity. So it's great uh, that they're doing that. That's the only way to get tickets now from uh, for this game. So great opportunity to go see Beckham and uh, provide some money to charity as well. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, you know, even you saw today with the crowd. It, you know, it gets uh, it's starting to pick up. People all over the stadium starting to cheer. So it should be great next week. And uh, we are going to take a quick break here in just a minute. But before we do, I would like to mention our uh, contest for this week. We are giving away a New England Revolution home jersey, a replica jersey. The size is extra large this time. Uh, and our trivia question for this one: We are going to relate to the Open Cup, the game which takes place on Wednesday. Uh, at Gillette Stadium, which should be another great game. Uh, just $10 for general admission seating. Uh, for season tickets holders, just $7. That's the entire stadium that will be general admission. So you get that ticket and you get there early. You can get the front row center uh, for cheaper than you'll ever be able to go to that stadium. for. I, I would imagine any other event and sit in that, those kind of seats. So should be a great opportunity there as well. Uh, again, we're going to relate this trivia question uh, to the Open Cup. The Revs actually made it to the final back in 2001. Uh, and they actually scored a goal to take the lead before losing in overtime to Los Angeles Galaxy, uh, which they then continued to do in two MLS Cup finals, losing in overtime to the Galaxy. But our question this week is, who scored that goal for the Revolution in the Open Cup final in 2001? Uh, and if you can send that answer by Wednesday at midnight to contest at revolutionrecap.com. That's contest at revolutionrecap.com. If you tell us who scored the Revolution's goal in the 2001 Open Cup final, uh, you will be entered in. And one of the correct answers will be randomly selected, and you will win the uh, Revolution uh, home replica jersey, extra large. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break here, and then we'll hopefully we'll be back with uh, Josh Hackler, who runs USOpenCup.com. I know I'm, I personally am a very big fan of this Open Cup tournament. It doesn't really get the attention it needs, but uh, Josh and his USOpenCup.com site really add a lot of media attention to the, the tournament, really a place where you can get all the information on the tournament that you can't get you know, even on the official site. We are going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Josh. 
looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined here in studio by Dave Ackman. We are having a little bit of trouble getting in touch with Josh, but uh, we do have an email that we got from a listener a little bit earlier in this week from Daniel Stevens from Montpelier, Vermont. Uh, we've been talking a lot this week about uh, the Revolution, past weeks about the Revolution bringing in some players. They do have two open spots. Uh, a lot of the comments was about left wing where Connell Smith uh, has had some really bright spots, but has really been an inconsistent performer for the Revs. Uh, something that, from a full-time starter, you really hope for consistency. You see a guy like Steve Ross, and you can't expect that kind of consistency from everybody. Uh, but Connell Smith uh, leaves a little to be desired as far as the consistency on the team. You see him switch up with Wells Thompson. Uh, Daniel actually didn't, didn't agree that Connell Smith should be the player that replaced. He thought that maybe one of the outside backs would be a good player to upgrade. Uh, maybe a guy like Jay Heaps or James Riley. Uh, James Riley tonight... Uh, would tend to his performance tonight would tend to agree with that assessment. Uh, Jay Heaps, though, on Thursday played very well. I thought he didn't, I didn't think he could be blamed for any of the goals uh, tonight either. Uh, but certainly, those are both two spots that the Revs could look for upgrades. Sure. I mean, I think you know you're looking at a little bit of an older guy in Heaps. He's starting to get up in age. It never hurts to bring in some cover for him. And you know, with Riley, you've got you know a little bit of inexperience there. So I mean, if you could bring in a more experienced, you know. Uh, back it never hurts, especially when you got you know like Parkhurst, that's a young guy also in the middle. So I think you know it's something maybe to take a look at. But it's tough to find you know a guy that's comfortable in a three-man back line. It's not you know your typical left back or right back pickup, or and it's not your typical center back pickup either. They've got to be a little bit more adaptable. And again on the left wing, uh, Connor Smith has looked great off the bench, and maybe that's something you know a position that he can. You know, I still has a little bit to learn there because that has a position that he still hasn't played for even a full year yet. Uh, Wells Thompson, the rookie. Uh, has looked good there, but he has certainly has more to learn as well. So that would be another position that maybe we get a veteran player in there that could actually help teach them those that position. Certainly, we're not saying to give up on either of those two players because both of them have a you know a lot of positives to offer the team. But it, it wouldn't hurt to have you know a guy like that come in and you know a veteran player and be able to help those players out. Yeah, especially when you start you know, you know taking these long deep cup runs and you know you, you know it never hurts to have a little bit more experience in there. But I believe we do have Josh now on the phone. Josh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, anytime. Again, it's uh, Josh Hackler from USOpenCup.com, which, as we mentioned earlier, you know, really provides the information you really can't get anywhere else on that US Open Cup, uh, which is a great tournament that doesn't get the attention it deserves in this country, the oldest uh, team sports tournament in, in this country. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I think, I think this year is probably the most dramatic one we've had, I don't know, since... And I don't want to say that every maybe every time a USL USL team makes a run that is, that just makes it that makes all the drama. Sure, certainly, there's been some drama without that, but it, this has probably been the best year for that. Just in the, the number of upsets we've had, the matchups we've got, and now we've got 
at least uh, maybe even a second division team making it to the, uh, the semifinals. Which is interesting because uh, the round before, there were actually no uh, upsets, no major upsets anyways. Uh, it's kind of seemed like different from previous years where we've seen some of the amateur teams make it further. You know, They didn't really make it as far as we've seen in the past, uh, but these USL teams are playing really well. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, that they might want to look at maybe once the uh, the Open Cup becomes a little bit more popular is to maybe expand the number of amateur teams that do get in just simply because of the, the number of quality amateur teams that are out there, not just in the PDL, but maybe more so in the PDL. But there are some very good USA, USASA teams as well. So, And uh, every year it's just, you know, you, you look at the, the list and only eight PDL teams get in, but you know that there are, you know, at least eight more that are top-notch PDL teams that could you know, potentially knock off a, a USL first division, second division, or even an MLS team. Well, looking at the matchups coming up, uh, first on August 7th on Tuesday, uh, there's the Richmond Kickers at the Carolina Railhawks. Richmond Kickers, a USL2 team, but they've been performing very well in that division and performing very well in the Open Cup. Uh, they are traveling on the road to Carolina. Certainly that gives Carolina a little bit of an edge. But what do you expect to see from that game? I, I think Carolina's got the uh, – they've struggled lately in the league, and I, I think that's hurt them. But the, their last game they had on the uh, – on Friday, I think it was a Fox Soccer Channel game, they, uh, they beat the California Victory. Well, California's not the strongest team in the league, but, you know, a, a victory at home is a victory at home. So I think uh, the momentum that they've got going, uh, playing very well, and uh, I, I think that they do have what it takes to beat Richmond at home, although, you know, Richmond is one of the best second division teams out there, is not the best second division team. And they really have benefited from moving down from the first division in the sense that they have you know, taken not, not you know, all of the players from their first division team, but, but some of the key players and, and sort of transitioned nicely from a very good first division team down into a very good second division team. So if you had to guess, who would you think would uh, come I, out the vic- victor in that I'm, one? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to uh, take the home team on that one. They, they bring big crowds out to that game, and uh, I believe, if I remember correctly on the broadcast on Friday, that uh, Carolina guaranteed victory on Friday against California, which is, uh, which is pretty rare. Uh, to, to spout off words like that, but they uh, they used the the G word and it paid off for them. But I I believe they had some sort of promotion going. If they didn't win or if they had a draw on Friday, that uh, people who were at that game got free tickets to the Open Cup game. I don't know what that's going to do for their attendance, seeing as they won. But maybe at least that uh, got people thinking about the Open Cup game and uh, and keeping in mind that they you know have a, a ticket to the semifinals with a win. Well, that's certainly an interesting promotion there. And- uh, they certainly have a great chance to make it to the semifinals against the Division Two side. Uh, and then looking at the other games coming up on Tuesday, also is FC Dallas, who needed penalty kicks to advance uh, to the quarterfinals against the Charleston Battery. Uh, I know Revs fans are familiar with the Charleston Battery from past the Open Cups. They're certainly a very good team. And they're also a team that has a lot of experience against MLS sides, not just from the Open Cup, but from their preseason tournament that they often run, where they invite two or three MLS sides down to Charleston to play them. And especially at home in their soccer-specific stadium, uh, they should have a, a, a very good chance of advancing against FC Dallas, who uh, will be interesting to see what kind of team they put out. Yeah, and, and I think Charleston's got it definitely has a shot at it being you know being at home and, and having the home crowd in in front of them. But I I also think that uh, it, their preseason tournaments, like you mentioned, where they bring in MLS sides, they really challenge their team and uh, getting a lot of the players who maybe aren't as experienced uh, chances against some of the top teams. You know, in their preseason. Uh, you know, the preseason tournaments and then even exhibition games. And I, I know a lot of that is, you know, to put butts in the seats for, uh, for Blackbot Stadium. 
but at the same time, I think it uh, really bodes well for them. And uh, it, it's odd. They This is the, the second time in the last few years that they've not really done fantastic in the league. In fact, they were horrible. I, I, I'm, they, I believe it was 2004, I think it was. They were uh, they were last in the league and yet made a run to the uh, to the semifinals. But it's, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't count them out. I never would count the Charleston Battery, especially at home. But uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, sneak this one out. It seems like FC Dallas, if they seem to, if they put the same team they put out there for their last game against Atlanta, which is probably the most entertaining game of the last round, I, I think FC Dallas, if they really want to win this, I think that they could probably take it. And they're certainly doing very well in league play as well. Uh, just one point behind Houston and now in the overall standings and tied for the Revolution uh, for second place in the overall standings. So Dallas is certainly a team to be uh, a little wary of. And as you mentioned, Charleston way down near the bottom of the USL First Division standing. So uh, they are making a nice run in the Open Cup, and I'm sure maybe maybe they're going to put more effort into that because of you know how they're doing in the USL standings. But the other game is the Colorado, who are also traveling away to a USL side, the Seattle Sounders, uh, playing in pretty big Quest Field, which is normally a football stadium. Uh, Colorado Rapids are, aren't having the greatest MLS season, so I think they might be another team that would put a lot of effort into this. And uh, they have Fernando Clavijo, who was the coach who was in charge of the Revs the last time they made it to the Open Cup final. Uh, so that should be another very interesting matchup. Yeah, I think that uh, Colorado seems to also have uh, you know their, their first Open Cup uh, in mind. They want to they want to try to get their first trophy, and uh, I think that will probably uh, lead them to put out a pretty decent side. Uh, Seattle having annihilated uh, Chivas. I mean, it really it, the way that they they beat Chivas, I thought was uh, really opened some eyes. I, I thought that game would be close, but I, I thought maybe Chivas is a league play, and they been playing fairly well and would, would transfer over. And but that certainly wasn't the case. They they kicked them around pretty good. But I I I don't know. I, I this one's kind of a tough one for me. I I Seattle playing at home. I don't know how big of a crowd they can pull. Uh, I know MLS team is an MLS team, but I think maybe uh, you know maybe they still get a bigger crowd. But I don't know if it's going to be enough to uh, to sneak them into the semifinals, though. And Seattle is a team that's actually in first in the USL First Division. So I'm like Charleston; they're certainly not struggling there. Uh, but again, they would, I'm sure they would love to win both uh, the USL and the US Open Cup. Uh, but then the other game on Wednesday is the Revolutions game uh, at home at Gillette Stadium against the Harrisburg City Islanders. Uh, a little surprised that the Revs actually chose to have the game at Gillette Stadium. Originally it was announced to be at Ludlow, where they've had their Open Cup games in the past. Uh, and should the Revs advance, their game will actually be in New Britain, Connecticut, uh, at Veterans Stadium. So that's another chance for Rev fans to go out and see the Revs play at another smaller stadium. Uh, but Harrisburg coming in, their team that beat D.C., uh, the Revs coming off a 3 nothing loss to D.C. against a D.C. side that was uh, pretty weak, missing a lot of starters, n- not too far from the uh, nearly reserved side that D.C. put out against Harrisburg. The Revs are going to have a lot of motivation to come out and get a good result uh, after this disappointing loss. Uh, but Harrisburg, uh, as we mentioned, had the win over D.C. Uh, they have an opportunity to go on to the semifinals, beating an MLS team for the second time in this tournament. What do you see from this game? I, I think the, the key to this, uh, Matt Nelson, the goalkeeper for the Harrisburg City Islanders, is uh, is been playing absolutely fantastic. I believe he's leading the league in shutouts, and he's. I think anytime you can get solid goalkeeping, uh, that, that keeps you in the game right there. Um, you, you did mention that. I mean, you were going to probably see a, a stronger side from the Revolution playing at home. You know, I does the. I think the Cinderella slipper might uh, might not fit after this one. I think New England. Certainly not trying to be a homer to the show, but I, I think New England will probably pull this one off. But uh, you know, you never know. I, I thought that uh, 
and a lot of people thought D.C. would uh, would whack them in the last round, but uh, that certainly wasn't the case. So I, I think New England's a better squad playing at home. I think it's all going to come together. And by the way, how far, how far is New Britain, Connecticut from Gillette Stadium? Refresh my uh, my geography skills here. It's about 100 miles from Gillette Stadium, so okay. it's a little bit of a distance. That's not, that's not too terrible. I think that's where the Connecticut Wolves played back in the day. If yeah, I, I believe I it is. Correctly. So that's... Uh, yeah, that would. I mean, Ludlow is a is a nice place. It would be nice if I would have been there. I think it, it's a great atmosphere and a great little stadium, and literally in the neighborhood, which is I I, I love. But uh, but no, I, I think if they play there, they're playing at Gillette Stadium, I don't know what kind of crowd you guys are going to get midweek. Well, it's uh, interesting. For an open cup game against a second division team, though, is a problem. And they're selling all the tickets for only ten dollars and seven dollars for season ticket holders for general admission for the entire stadium. But we've seen uh, in the past where they've had the games at Foxborough, they haven't really had that great attendance. Uh, yeah. Back in Love, though, the stadium only seats, uh, I believe, a little over 3,000. They've sold those games out. Uh, I think it might be a little bit much to expect, you know, even as many fans as they get there to come out to Gillette. Yeah, I think some people think that the, the Open Cup games should go to, uh, they should almost always go to the lower division team, although I, when they get a little closer where it's like a first division against a second division, maybe that's not, you know, shouldn't be assumed that the, the bigger crowd will show up. But I think definitely when an MLS team travels, I I almost think that it it should always bring out a big crowd for wherever they're at. And really, if you're trying to make an event out of it, I, I just don't think that, you know, you're, you're going to get, uh, you know, your diehards are going to be there. But, you know, until this, the tournament reaches the level that I think we'd all like it to be and maybe get, you know, up to that point where it's a, uh, a mainstream, at least in the soccer community uh, tournament, then I think that uh, they need to start sending these MLS teams to the uh, first division and second division team stadium. Well, that's why I think it's been good what the Reds have done in the past, going out to Ludlow, and now this year, uh, if they advance to New Britain, uh, New Britain, the stadium, veteran stadium there, uh, a little bit bigger than Ludlow, I believe it's almost twice the size, or maybe even a little more than twice the size. It's a great opportunity for fans uh, in the New England area who maybe don't want to travel all the way out to Foxborough to see the team uh, a little bit closer. Right. Yeah, I know. I think that's a great great advertisement for the league. I think that's why they, they try to play some exhibition games maybe away from their home stadium. I know maybe from the, the real... <laughs> Sort of the, the reality of it is they probably don't want to put you know five to ten thousand people in a sixty-eight thousand seat stadium, but but really to be able to get a uh, get a team, get the team out there, get them traveling, get you know maybe the surrounding communities and uh, get them experience, get them to experience the revolution, show them the brand of soccer they play. Uh, I think that could only can only help the teams, and going to a smaller venue like that will help as well. So it's also interesting with the uh, recent news I believe from the Hartford Business Journal that the Crafts uh, had the the rights to Connecticut there, and the, that they wanted to have an MLS team in Hartford, that there was an ownership group interested, but the Crafts wouldn't give them the rights to that. That uh, Now they see the Revs going down and playing a game there, and maybe taking advantage a little bit of having the uh, rights to that market. Yeah, rub, rub their nose in a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a shame. Well, actually, I shouldn't say it's a shame. I think it's great that we have multiple ownership groups out there that, uh, that we're, we're seeing in some markets like, say, Philadelphia, even where there are multiple ownership groups who are one in. And I, and I think that's great. I think we've gotten to the point where if you would have told me that, uh, I don't know, there was a, you know, an owner in the middle of New Mexico somewhere that wanted to put a team up, we would have salivated at the prospect of that. But now I think with MLS raising its profile a little bit, and I, I think now we can expect to see, uh, you know, maybe we can get selective, I think, with the, with the franchises and where we put them and things like that. I, I think the – I agree with you on that, but I think the one unfortunate thing for the uh, – for the revolution as far as this Open Cup is concerned, is this game is on Wednesday. Uh, the, as we mentioned, they have the game today that they're coming off. And then on Sunday, they have the big game against 
uh, Los Angeles guys in Beckham where they've sold the uh, 32,000 seats. The, you know, as much as they want, were going to sell for that, all sold out. Uh, certainly the team wants to put in a very good performance of that match and get those fans to come back. Uh, against a team like Harrisburg, where they're probably not going to get that many fans, uh, I would imagine this game against D.C. that they lost is actually maybe a good thing for them as far as the Open Cup and as far as motivation. But it will be interesting to see what kind of lineup they put out if they want to stay fresh for the big game on Sunday. Yeah, and I think that's that's the other issue is the fatigue. And now that we're you know, introducing the, uh, the the Super League and then the, the Champions Cup early in the ter- early in the year, which uh, obviously is over with. But the all the different events that are going on, which is great that that they're participating in these events. But at the same time, we're I, I think we're we're walking down the same path that Europe is a little bit, where there's just too many games and they, you know the teams can't take it and and. Uh, I, I would like to see in a perfect world that we get to a point where the Open Cup games have their own weekend, the you know, Open Cup weekend, and I think that would be fantastic. But I think with as many extra things that we're involved in, exhibitions, tournaments, Super League, you name it, that I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But we, we can always dream, can't we? Well, you mentioned the, the uh, other tournaments like this that, you know, the, in the fixture, the fixture crowding, like uh, the FA Cup, uh, but mentioning these other tournaments like Super League and the CONCACAF Champions Cup, th- there could be more value put into this Open Cup if there was a spot on the line you know, in one of those tournaments, which we see uh, in a lot of other nations. I know I'm not the first to mention that, but you know, maybe that's something that would be a great thing to do for the U.S. Open Cup in the future. I, I think I remember that they actually did have a, a Champions Cup spot on the line in the Open Cup uh, several years ago back when there were four MLS teams in there. So you know, maybe they, those tournaments could be used to actually help you know, bring out the importance in the Open Cup. Yeah, we actually are going to be doing uh, in the off season. We're going to try to keep the keep the site fresh a little bit and do some historical research and things like that. And I've already gotten in touch with the uh, the San Jose Oaks, who were the Open Cup champion in 1992, and uh, that is exactly what happened. It was the Open Cup was the and I mean still is the uh, American national championship. So when the San Jose Oaks won the Open Cup, they had to play against the champion from Mexico. And I believe I can't remember the team. I'm I want to. Yeah, I, I won't even venture a guess, but it was a, it was whoever the, the Mexican League champion was that year. They played a home and away. And so they played them at home, and I think they got smoked. And then they had to travel to Mexico to play the game, or, you know, and it was just ridiculous for this poor amateur squad to, like, play up against a full professional team from Mexico. I think, uh, even an MLS team, MLS team would, uh, sort of shake in their boots a little bit having the prospect of going to Mexico to play, uh, play a club team there. Yeah, but at the same time, I think the tournament's changed a lot since then, where, uh, you know, we see only once since the MLS has started, and that was right near the beginning of MLS, where uh, the Rochester Raging Rhinos won the tournament. Uh, the MLS teams have been winning it, and a team like the Rochester Raging Rhinos is still a very strong team that I, I think would be a stronger caliber than a team like San Jose Oaks back in 1992, where maybe oh, they sure. could compete with a Mexican team. No, I definitely think they should have a spot in the Champions Cup. I, I think that if... They could do at least that. I mean, everyone talks about increasing prize money and all that stuff. That, that well, that would be great to help the tournament. I think that giving the team an, an extra motivation to, if you win it, then you get into the Champions Cup and you're, you know, that could then go into the World Club Championship. You know, theoretically, that would be, I think, even more important than maybe a maybe a, a nice paycheck at the end. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I think the money of the Open Cup is a hundred thousand for the winners. Uh, when you look at the Super League, where it's a million, it would be great to have a chance to go on to that and win more prize money, or go on to the Champions Cup and win a berth into the uh, World Club Championship, as you said. Oh, that would be great. I, although I wish, personally, I, I kind of wish the Super League uh, they could somehow work together with Concacaf to combine the two, maybe 
turn it into a you know our version of the Champions League in the sense that in Europe that when they renovated it and they made it so that the top four, the top three teams from some of the bigger countries got in. I, as much as I don't like that from a, being a bit of a traditionalist, I, I still think that for where we're at and we're trying to raise the profile of, of the Champions Cup and, and, and our tournaments and our brand of sport here, I think that it would be good if they just allowed the top three, maybe the, the Open Cup champion and maybe the, the Supporter Shield and the MLS Cup winner and threw them all into the into the Champions Cup and had that sort of be our Super League. Only, hey, invite the other guys to play. Costa Rica's champion, Jamaica's champion, whatever. Yeah, I agree with that because, you know, we've seen the Champions Cup. Costa Rica teams have won it several times and have been very strong performers, knocked out Mexico teams, definitely knocked out MLS teams. So, it's, it's you know, to have a regional championship, you'd have to have a team like Costa Rica involved. Now it add more legitimacy to uh, the Super League. But oh, why not Toronto FC? And uh, Canada, uh, to my knowledge, I don't. Did they have a representative in the Champions Cup? I don't think they did. I don't believe so. Like, so why no. not? Have, you could have Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto FC, and maybe the champion of the uh, Canadian Soccer League all have a little playoff to get in and have Canada get represented. Since you know, obviously, uh, Toronto FC and Montreal and Vancouver are left out of the Open Cup. You know, why not uh, include them? Especially when there's talk in 2010 of expanding uh, MLS teams in, in uh, Canada and maybe having a team in Montreal or Vancouver. Uh, that's certainly going down the road. It's going to be a bigger option. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any question that. I, I really wonder what the league is going to look like or what the soccer world is going to look like here in the United States with you know, Vancouver and, and Montreal building their own stadiums. You've got Rochester, who people have talked about joining MLS for a while. You've got Portland and Seattle are both being talked about. They're apparently ownership groups there, too. It, you know, like that really wipes out a good chunk of the USL First Division. So I, I really am curious to see how uh, things, you know, pan out for the next five years to see what happens there. We will let you go in just a second here, but uh, before you do, uh, you've been doing a lot of changes to USOpenCup.com, added a lot of contact lately. Uh, what can people get from that site uh, that they can't get really at other sites available out there? Uh, I, I'd say the, the history section is something that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. Uh, we get a lot of media people who actually contact us thinking that we're the official site, and you know we have to sort of you know, just humbly decline that uh, <laughs> that notion. But we're, uh, we're we're not the official site, but we pull pull together all the historical information. We're in the process of actually revamping that and making it a little bit easier to uh, surf around and find you know, find the information. So it's uh, it's there, and I, I think that's probably the thing that uh, that we're missing the most. And uh, maybe one day we'll we'll even be able to get more. Uh, some of the years, like prior to the, even into the mid '80s, really, we're, we're missing a lot of information. So, you know, it, anybody that has an old, you know, newspaper or something that uh, that might have some scores in it, we we always get people sending in stuff, and uh, that's where we get a lot of our information. Also, the Hall of Fame helps us out quite a bit too. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Josh. Josh, it's always great to have you on the show. Anytime. Should uh, should be a fun uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, definitely. And again, the Revs game coming up uh, on Wednesday uh, at Gillette Stadium. Um, the Revs have made it back to the final in 2001. Uh, certainly go, hoping to go there again with not having to play a single MLS team until they reach that final, and maybe not even there the way this tournament's been going. Yeah, and uh, and and Sean, uh, before I go, I, I love the new look of the website, by the way, and, uh, and keep up the good work. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, Josh. All right, we'll talk to you later. Again, that was uh, Josh Hackler from USOpenCup.com. Uh, the Revs had a very good performance against the, against the Rochester Raging Rhinos uh, in the previous round. 
uh, scoring two early goals and taking a 2 nothing lead before uh, giving up two goals and then managing to go on and score two more in stoppage time to win that game. Steve Rawson, a big hero in that match uh, with two goals and an assist. Uh, Rawson also tallying his uh, 115th career assist uh, to take the record of MLS a little bit earlier uh, in July. And again, speaking of the new website, we did have a poll on there to see who you thought was the July Revolution Player of the Month. Uh, Rawson just barely won that one, edging out uh, Shawry Joseph. Uh, so the fans thought Steve Rawson was the player of the month for July. And Rawson being a very key player in the Open Cup for the Revs and past years and this year. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you've seen his dedication to the club and, you know, to other clubs even in the MLS. He's been a real trooper through his whole career. So, I mean, you look at that and he deserves every accolade he can get. And we are going to take another quick break here and then we'll be back with a little bit more Revolution Recap. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Again, I'm Sean Donahue, joined here in studio by Dave Ackman. Uh, we just talked a little about the Revs' upcoming Open Cup game. Uh, and again, I wanted to bring, bring up my contest question again, which is related to the Open Cup. The Revs uh, made it to the final back in 2001, and the question is, who scored the goal for the Revolution in that final? They did not go on to win that game. They did take an early lead, though, uh, thanks to this player who scored the, the early goal for the Revolution. And you can email that question to contests at revolutionrecap.com. That's contests at revolutionrecap.com. By Wednesday at midnight, I say that to give uh, the people that can't listen to it live but choose to listen to it on the podcast a chance to enter. And uh, from the correct answers, a winner will be drawn ran- at random, uh, and you'll win a Revolution Extra Large uh, New England Revolution home jersey. Again, thanks to Eurosport and Soccer.com. Uh, again, we got to thank Eurosport for all these great prizes they provided to the show. Uh, very nice to have them, you know, on board and helping out uh, with these promotions for that really help uh, to give to our listeners. Have these things to give away to our listeners, and again. Uh, soccer.com, very great people there. I know I've dealt with them for a long time before having the show. You know, always nice to do business with uh, the guys at soccer.com. Uh, but going back to uh, the question that we had from a listener, uh, Daniel Stevens, I'd like to say that you know I was really appreciated getting that comment from him, and I'd like to encourage all our listeners if they had any comments to send them in to uh, revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Uh, it's great to hear from listeners. And going back to that topic, we've seen in the news recently uh, that the Revs have two Gambian under-20 international players in a camp. I know when I was there three weeks ago, they had the same two players in there, so if they've kept them there, uh, which according to Frank DeLapa they have, uh, certainly there must be some serious interest in those two. Yeah, I mean, you can never have enough young talent, especially, you know, foreign talent. I mean, it always just brings flush blood, maybe a little bit of a different style of play. So even if they're not going to, you know, be signed long-term, maybe, you know, some of the younger guys even on the Revs currently can pick up a couple tricks along the way. They do have two open roster spots. There's been some talk that... 
threw out some rumors that the Reds are also looking at a couple other players as well. So it'll be interesting to see you know, what transpires with that. I think we saw from D.C. that uh, they have several players on the bench that could come off and fill in for these 400 guys. And the team still did a very good job and beat the Revs. Uh, something that the Revs maybe don't have that kind of depth and something that a championship team probably is going to end up needing. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, you see last year, you know, you have a guy, you know, uh, maybe a doorman that used to be on the bench when you had a Dempsey in the lineup. And, I mean, now all of a sudden he's a starter, so now you're bringing on someone, you know, a little bit less. So it never hurts to have a little extra depth, especially, you know, as injuries creep up. Having, you know, a guy like Parkhurst go down today, bringing in an international like Avery John as a backup is, you know, it's a great luxury to have. And, again, we uh, talked about the Open Cup game coming up on Wednesday, but then on Sunday we will not have a show on Sunday due to the uh, David Beckham coming to town at 7 o'clock at the same time as the show. We will try to put out a uh, podcast possibly, so check the website for, for that. Uh, but, again, David Beckham coming in with the Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, Beckham not even on the bench today in Toronto. There have been some talk that he might play, but uh, looking up the lineup now, he's not even on the bench. So uh, it will be interesting to see should he be able to play on that game. Certainly there will be a lot of disappointed fans if he doesn't. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's a, it's been a big hype, but I mean, injuries are injuries. You don't want to, you know, rush them back for a game against Toronto or New England and have, you know, maybe the rest of the season or, you know, even maybe some long-term damage occur. I mean, I think everyone knows that he's signed for five years, not just for the rest of this. So you got to make sure that it's, you're doing the player right, too. And Los Angeles has been struggling in the league lately, uh, but they did provide a very exciting game recently. I believe it was on Tuesday in the Super League match uh, against FC Dallas, uh, in which they won 6-5. to five. You know, you don't see too many 6-5 to five matches uh, anywhere in the world in soccer. Uh, De- Galaxy actually came went out to an early 4 nothing lead, uh, then came back and on Dallas almost tied them, maybe for a better, better uh, cause by the referee in that game, uh, where uh, there was what looked like a penalty kick that was given a yellow card for diving. I didn't see, I'm not going to say I saw that close enough to definitively say that was a foul, but uh, certainly questionable there. Carlos Ruiz was pretty close to being onside. Uh, I think it was the correct call on his nice bicycle kick, but uh, that's cer- certainly waiting for the Galaxy to have such a big lead and nearly give it up, and that's something they're going to need to work on if they want to make the playoffs with or without Beckham. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's a great showing for the MLS. You know, everyone always says, oh, there's no attacking in the MLS. Well, I think, you know, I mean, you see a game where 11 goals are put up. I mean, I don't think it's a problem with the attacking. I think, you know, give it a couple of years and people will start to understand what's really going on in the MLS. The Reds have had one of the best attacks in MLS this year. They did get shut out last night, but it certainly should be a very good game coming up on both Wednesday against Harrisburg in the Open Cup uh, and a single elimination game, so that has extra points, and on Sunday against the Los Angeles Galaxy, uh, in which hopefully we'll see David Beckham play. Yeah, definitely. It should be a great week for all the fans out there. We do have to wrap things up now, but again, you can get the archives at revolutionrecap.com. And again, based on that comment that we had on Daniel Stevens, I am going to actually uh, make that the poll this week on who you think the Revs should bring in, whether it be a uh, left-sided midfielder or defender or another position. Uh, But again, we won't be on next week. We will be on the next week, but check back uh, on revolutionrecap.com for a possible podcast on both the Beckham game and the Open Cup game. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Have a good night.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.